Hi, and welcome to the Female Health Podcast. My name is Mary Jo McGuire, owner of MJ Nutrition. I have a degree and master's in nutritional science, and I'm studying to be a nutritional therapist also. I work with women every day who want to lose weight, improve their relationship with food, hack their hormones, regulate their cycle, restore their periods, learn about nutrition for hormonal balance, help women come off the pill, and lots more. This podcast will be a place to talk about all things female health related, from periods, the pill, weight loss, diets, fertility, acne, PMS, and lots, lots more. I hope this platform to be educational and empowering so women can take charge of their health, their hormones, so they can feel and look their best at all stages. Hi and welcome to episode 13 of the Female Health Podcast. I'm Mary Jo, your host, and today I'm flying solo. I'm going to be chatting about PCOS, what it is, how to get it diagnosed properly, and um, what are the root causes of it. So for those of you who have listened to a few of the episodes now, you're probably aware that I have um, talked about myself having PCOS before. Um, So I have PCOS. It's something that I'll always have and have to manage. So it's a endocrine disorder that affects about one in 10 women and it has a genetic component to it. So what that means is there is there will be something there that makes you more that like environmental factors can switch on that genetic predisposition. Um, so it doesn't mean that just because you've got the genetic component, you can't manage it. It means just that you have to manage the environmental factors that may have switched on that genetic component, if that makes sense. So I'm just going to talk a little bit about my own history with PCOS firstly. So um, it all probably started when I was a teenager, didn't have um, a regular cycle at all. So I was put on the pill in my early 20s then um, to regulate my cycle, quote unquote, um, because the pill does not regulate a cycle. It just masks the symptoms and um, the symptoms that I had at the time were irregular periods and excess um, androgens, both in the blood test and um, physically. So I had like acne and excess hair growth. So they were mild enough symptoms for me and they didn't cause me too much concern. And I didn't have um, the weight gain too severely. It was just a little bit of excess weight. Um, But that may have been just to do with my lifestyle at the time as well, which was a typical student kind of lifestyle. And so, you know, not eating the best, going out at the weekends and drinking more alcohol. Um, so it, that was, you know, it, it's kind of hard to differentiate whether that was a symptom of my PCOS or just maybe not the best lifestyle. So yes, I was on the pill anyway for, during that time. And of course, it like I got a regular period. So I thought and my symptoms were reduced. I didn't have the acne and things like that. So that was great. Um, and then I decided to come off it and... Um, for because there was one pill I was on I think it was Yasmin which is a low androgen pill which um did not agree with me and I just was really like just emotional on it and it just did not suit me so I came off it and I still obviously had the same issues because it just didn't get to the root issue I still had my PCOS and it took me, I suppose, up until about the last year or so and about two years of really getting to the root cause of my PCOS. And that has been as a result of me studying a master's in nutritional science and having a very keen interest in 
hormonal issues like PCOS and female health that I actually got to figure it out myself. So um, coming off the pill, I still didn't get my cycle back. And um, I didn't have the weight gain though that was typically associated with PCOS uh, when I came off it. So like I'd be a fairly normal weight, um, but I just was still having the irregular periods and like the excess androgens that was, were associated with PCOS. Um, but so I went to my GP and um, I would have got an ultrasound done and there was cysts in my ovaries as well. So that was an, an added confirmation alongside the physical signs plus the irregular periods that I had PCOS. Um, but my bloods actually didn't show that my testosterone was very high. Um, it was, I think it was only slightly elevated and a lot of women would have it like slightly elevated and it wouldn't cause those type of symptoms. Um, so it's kind of in the last few years that I established that it's actually, there is another type of testosterone that is secreted from your adrenal glands um, called DHEAS. And what this does is it has a similar effect as the testosterone uh, secreted from your ovaries, um, but it is more associated with stress so um if you're kind of highly stressed uh, you may have this type of pcos which is adrenal type or stressed pcos and uh, so i figured out this was a type of pcos pcos that i had so a lot of the work that i had to do was really managing kind of the stress response managing my lifestyle and um, and obviously looking after my diet too uh, which would have been a typical kind of um, pcos type management diet that i would have followed um, but the main thing for me was really looking at my stress levels. So it was really helpful for me to actually identify what type of PCOS I actually had, because then I was able to really target it as such and really like get to the actual cause of what was giving me my PCOS and or causing my PCOS and the symptoms. So eventually, and like in the last two years I have now got a regular cycle and now there is some months where there's a maybe a few it's a few days later um, and I'll always be able to identify why that has occurred and it's always related to me putting more stress on my body so stress for me doesn't have to be um the likes of a deadline or a traumatic event or something like that stress for me can be like over Christmas maybe having later nights drinking more alcohol and just being out and about not eating the best types of food things like that can actually put a stress on my body and it just doesn't react maybe as way someone else would because maybe I, ha I have that genetic um component that predisposes me to this so I'm not able to cope maybe with stress the way some other people can so for that reason I can always identify why my period has been later and it is due to something having gone on in my life um that puts stress on my body so these can be so many different factors it can be physical factors so not sleeping not eating well um, maybe doing too little or too much exercise uh, drinking maybe too much alcohol like over Christmas um, or then there's can be personal factors that can get to everyone like relationship issues money issues uh, work issues all of these things can have a factor on your stress um, tolerance as well so I suppose that's a little bit about how I got to the root cause of my PCOS, what it is and how I manage it. So I always really try to ensure that my sleep is fairly good. Sometimes it's out of my control, but I really try to manage that. I minimize my caffeine intake. Um, 
I try to implement a good nighttime routine and I do try and get outside every day to get some daylight exposure, which is really uh, thought to help with your circadian rhythm and really promote good quality sleep. So these are just small things that I do every day to like manage my stress. So sleep is a massive thing to really keep my stress levels at bay and, and manage them. So that's just a little bit about my backstory to PCOS and I suppose why I'm so keen to help women with PCOS because I just know how frustrating it is to be told like you may not be able to have children or your like your fertility may be compromised to go on birth control pill until you want to have kids and then go off and try and come back to me and then put you on either Clomid or um, consider IVF it's like it's there's so many psychological factors to consider that the impact this can have on someone who has PCOS and I just know how frustrating that can be and I also know that there is so much that you can do with your diet your lifestyle and your supplements to really manage your PCOS and to get control of it and it doesn't have to take over your life it can be really easily managed once you kind of figure out what is causing your PCOS so I think it's a really important topic to discuss today and um, I get messages a lot about PCOS and so many women are dealing with it or think they may be dealing with it or it could be something else so that's what I kind of want to chat about today so the typical symptoms of PCOS as I mentioned are your irregular cycles and um, your excess male androgens so that will cause um the, the free like such as testosterone and this testosterone will go to your follicles in your face um, and, and other parts of your body and cause them to grow darker and more coarse hair and um, it can go into your um, sebaceous glands in your skin causing acne and it can also go into your, like your hairline and cause male pattern baldness so a lot of women experience hair loss around um, their hairline and they can also experience hair loss as well just their general hair and um, so there are some typical physical symptoms you may also have weight gain and um, so about 70 to 80 percent of women with PCOS can have insulin resistance which can lead to weight gain but then there's also to make it more confusing lean PCOS where you don't have weight gain and there's other factors causing it so like myself I didn't have really that much weight gain it wouldn't have been as a main symptom for me um so they're kind of the typical symptoms and yeah of course the irregular cycles are a big one to kind of consider so if you're wanting to get diagnosed with PCOS you'll probably you'll go to your doctor and you'll get your bloods done and it may show that you've got elevated androgens so testosterone and, and you'll also most likely um, have physical symptoms of that you might have some acne or um hair growth on your face for example and um, you'll also have um impaired ovulation and this would look like you having irregular cycles so not a regular period every month so if your cycle is longer than 35 days and um, that would be suggestive that you have um, an issue with ovulation and the other thing is your cysts on the ovaries. So this is a bit of a weird one. So cysts on the ovaries are basically um, undeveloped follicles. So these follicles haven't matured and the egg hasn't released from the ovaries. And this can be due to uh, a cause of PCOS, such as insulin resistance. So high levels of insulin can cause your ovaries to be impaired and not release the egg from the ovary. Um, and this can cause then you to build up unmatured follicles on your ovaries which look like cysts 
The confusing thing is this can also occur in another condition called hypothalamic amenorrhea. So hypothalamic amenorrhea is also when you don't get a period, but it's not because of insulin resistance or because of high levels of androgens. It's due to um, low body fat, high exercise and low carbohydrate intake in the most cases. And it's seen a lot in female athletes. So this will also cause you to have cysts so build up on your ovaries because the eggs are trying to mature but they haven't released an egg from the ovary you haven't ovulated so you also will have cysts that way so it's important that you're getting the correct diagnosis so the diagnosis for PCOS will um you'll have to get to the root cause of, of the PCOS so um hypothalamic amenorrhea I suppose it's important would be um helpful to know that is it is occurring in, in women who maybe do exercise a lot or athletes who don't eat um, sufficient calories or especially carbohydrates. So that's, I suppose, would lean you towards if you're someone who hasn't, isn't getting your, your period and you are fitting into that kind of bracket, it might be suggested that you've got hypothalamic amenorrhea. Um, but then with PCOS, it's really about getting to the root cause of the PCOS. And there's a few different types of PCOS. And that's what I'm going to discuss now. So we firstly have got the most common type of PCOS, which is insulin resistant PCOS. And that occurs in about 70 to 80% of women. So your cells basically become, not, um, they don't, they're not responding to the insulin um, in, the, in, the, in the body. So your cells are supposed to pick up the insulin. So insulin picks up the glucose that you eat so any sugar or high carbohydrate food insulin is going to be required to take that sugar or glucose into the cells to be used as energy what happens in people with pcos and most likely due to a genetic predisposition they are not as sensitive to the insulin so um the cells don't respond to the insulin that's trying to bring the sugar into the cells and then what you're left is with high levels of insulin in, in your blood plus high levels of glucose. And also what's happening is your pancreas is still secreting insulin because it thinks that you need more to get the sugar into the cells. So you're left with really high levels of insulin. What this is doing then in, in relation to your period, it is impairing your, your ability to ovulate and it's increasing your testosterone and it's, it's reducing a, um, another hormone which would normally um, soak up testosterone and it's increasing your luteinizing hormone as well, which is a hormone that causes your um, oh, ovary to be released from the follicle so you're getting high levels of this so your ratio of lh to fsh luteinizing hormone to follicle stimulation hormone is high and this is a common thing that's seen in uh, pcos along with insulin resistance so these are a number of there that's kind of the root cause of the pcos pcos and what's driving the impaired ovulation is the insulin high levels of insulin so to rule this one out you may with this type of insulin most uh, in most cases but it's really important to note not all cases you may have excess weight and particularly around your midline midline weight or like that apple shape kind of uh, phys physique is associated with um insulin resistance so um 
this is the first that may be a first clue so then you need to go to your gp and get your your fasting and um, blood level measured but also your fasting insulin you need to know what your insulin levels are like are they are they high after you uh, have maybe and performed an oral glucose tolerance test. That's an indicator that your insulin levels are high and that you've got insulin resistance and your cells are not responding appropriately to um, the insulin that's in your body. When you identify this, then it's really that you've got off to a great start. You finally figured out what is causing your regular periods. Why do you have excess um, testosterone and male androgens and um, all the other symptoms that are coming with your PCOS? And it's because of your insulin resistance. So now you can start to get your cells more sensitive to insulin and reduce the amount of insulin that is required. So you can do this through dietary um, means, through lifestyle and through supplements. So with diet, you really want to be managing your sugar intake and maybe lowering your carb intakes for a while until your cells become more sensitive to the insulin. This is not something you'll have to do forever, but at the start, if you've got insulin resistant PCOS, it will be recommended that you do lower your carbohydrate, carbohydrate intake. It's not to cut them out completely. You do need to have some starches to kind of calm your nervous system and to uh, replenish your uh, glycogen stores in the liver and to help you get good sleep. You do need to have some, but you may need to go maybe on a low carb diet for a, a period of time. And um, I would not advise this off the cuff here for everyone to do. This would be something that I would recommend you speak to a um, specialist dietitian or nutrition who focuses on PCOS um, because they can really identify how much uh, carbohydrates you, um, you need in your diet and what you can tolerate. Then when it comes to lifestyle, um, resistance training and weight training is really beneficial exercises to add into your lifestyle because this type of exercise increases your muscle sensitivity to insulin so then you're starting to mop up the excess insulin in the body and you're not left with that insulin that's causing your ovaries to produce more testosterone and cause more androgens and irregular periods so that's another thing to take from this is to do more weight exercises so pilates and uh, weightlifting things like that and finally there is certain supplements that you can take, which I'm not going to recommend because, again, I like to recommend supplements on a more personalized level. But there are specific supplements that can make your cells more sensitive to insulin and that can um, improve the messaging of insulin as well and um, reduce the amount of insulin that's free floating around the body and then reduce those symptoms of insulin resistance and get your period more regulated and reduce those androgens. But with supplements, there are different ones for different people. You, you can't, it's important not to give out supplement recommendations on a general basis based on drugs that you may be taking and other interactions with nutrients and things like that. So it is important to get specialist advice when it comes to supplements. So that's a summary, I suppose, of the type of PCOS insulin resistance and what you can do to manage that and how to firstly get it looked at. So go to your GP and get your fasting blood glucose and insulin levels measured. And also you'll probably get your blood, your testosterone measured and your, you may get an ultrasound done also to see if you've got cysts on the ovaries and um they'll ask you if you've got a regular periods as well and all of those kind of things combined would kind of be um, an indicator that you have that type of PCOS. 
there is a such thing as having um, lean PCOS but still having insulin resistance. So if you go in and a doctor says because you don't have the weight gain, then you don't have insulin resistance, that is not necessarily true. You can still have insulin resistance with um, a normal body weight. So do push to get that insulin, insulin tested and do get it measured fasted. So a fasting insulin and glucose level measured. So that's important to be aware of as well. So remember that not every single person is going to have the exact same symptoms of PCOS. So weight gain is not a cause of PCOS. Yes, when you have weight gain, it can drive more of the factors like you will more more likely have more uh, higher severe symptoms of like um androgen excess and more uh, severe symptoms of insulin resistance however weight gain is still a symptom of pcos like excess hair growth is a symptom like irregular periods is a symptom and like acne is a symptom and like suboptimal fertility is a symptom so everyone will have different ones so like weight gain it's not an accurate measure to say just because you have excess weight um or that means you've got pcos um you don't have to have the weight gain to have pcos just to be aware of that so when you go to your gp make sure that you do push for the other blood tests to be done and and um, get those to rule out what type of PCOS you have. Okay, so the next type of PCOS is quite common also and it's post-pill PCOS. So this obviously occurs after you come off the pill and a lot of women will, it does take time for your period to come after you come off the pill anyway, and that's quite normal. And it can take three to six months to get your cycle a bit adjusted and regulated. So I would say to just bear with that, be patient and just kind of manage your diet well and your lifestyle and stress levels well. But post-pill PCOS can, can occur because it um, can increase your androgen levels after coming off the pill. And this can drive then um, irregular cycles and other symptoms of excess androgens like your your hair growth and acne and things like that the one thing with post-pill pcos is you will most likely not have insulin resistance insulin resistance and if you do then most likely you may have had pcos before you went on the pill anyway and um, one of the most indicative ways of figuring out if you've got post-pill pcos is getting your luteinizing hormone measured this is most likely high when you've got post-pill PCOS and is um but everything else like your insulin resistant won't be there. So this is a um a way of kind of defining the difference between post-pill PCOS and insulin resistant PCOS. Post-pill PCOS will have elevated male androgens and elevated LH, but it won't have high insulin levels, whereas your insulin resistant PCOS will have all of those three high LH, high androgens, and um, insulin, high insulin levels. So I hope that clears that up. So with post-pills PCOS, a lot of it is about being patient, which I know is um, frustrating when you want to get your cycle back, or especially if you've come off it and you're, you know, planning to conceive. What I would say is really ensure your diet is um, high in a combination of all three macronutrients, um, complex carbohydrates, starchy carbohydrates, and healthy fats, good quality sources of lean protein, and that you're really minding your lifestyle, you're getting good quality sleep, and you're not putting too much stress on your body, you're not over exerting yourself exercise wise, 
and perhaps looking at some supplements that can support um, the, the ovaries reduced androgens and start ovulating again so I did do a, a, um, an episode on post-pill PCOS so you could go back and listen to that as well if this is something that might um, be relevant for you and um, but I do um, with the pill it can deplete certain micronutrients such as zinc and B vitamins and zinc is an anti-androgen and micronutrient and it can support ovarian function so this may be something you can get zinc through eggs uh, red meat oysters things like that um, and again, again, I'm not saying everyone go out and get zinc supplements because I wouldn't recommend that on a general level because it has, um, it competes for copper and there's interactions with iron as well. So it is important not to just to go out and buy a zinc supplement, but possibly it can help support post-pill PCOS. But I would advise speaking to your um, GP or specialist who you're working with on this. So a nutritionist or dietitian who's helping you on this as well. So that's what pill-to-pill PCOS kind of looks like. Again, this one is more about being patient and um, it most likely wouldn't have the genetic predisposition to say making your cells not responsive to insulin or your ovaries and um, more uh, sensitive to insulin. So that's just something to be aware of. Then you have inflammatory PCOS. So again, this would look like if you didn't have insulin resistance or you didn't just come off the pill, but you still have irregular cycles and elevated male hormones. Inflammation is when there is an overactivated immune system and you have higher levels of pro-inflammatory cytokines. These cytokines are act like messengers between all areas of your bodies and including your hormones. And um, so it can cause um, a reduced responsiveness of your um, hormones in your ovaries, which can lead to elevated um elevated androgens as well. So it just disrupts um, hormone receptors um, in, in your ovaries and um, inflammation can arise from insulin resistance. So again, if you have insulin resistance, you can have inflammation. So, but that type of PCOS would not be inflammatory PCOS. It would be insulin resistant PCOS. If you've got infl inflammatory PCOS, it may be caused by uh, gut or digestive issues. It may be caused by smoking. It may be caused by stress. It may be caused by environmental toxins. Um, so there, these type of things can give rise to inflammatory PCOS. Again, making sure you've ruled out the other causes of PCOS. So inflammatory PCOS can look like, obviously, the typical signs of PCOS, which would be irregular cycles and your elevated male hormones. But uh, you may also have other inflammatory issues like skin issues such as psoriasis or eczema. You may have uh, joint pain, fatigue, brain fog kind of feeling, um, well, uh, headaches and migraines or other common kind of inflammatory issues that you may deal with and you may have like food intolerances so you may find that you're really sensitive to certain foods like a lot of people can be sensitive to wheat and dairy and um, if they have like inflammatory PCOS this does not mean to say that they need to cut out wheat or, da or dairy for life it just might mean that their gut has not um, enough supportive bacteria or friendly bacteria to help them um tolerate these types of proteins that are in uh, wheat and dairy um, so with this type of PCOS a lot of it is really looking at reducing inflammation supporting the healthy gut uh, healthy gut bacteria um, if you've got IBS like really looking at managing this through stress and lifestyle management and looking at um, an anti-inflammatory diet. So an anti-inflammatory diet is typical of like, it would look like a Mediterranean type diet. So we would high in omega-3s, so your oily fish, 
high in healthy fats like monounsaturated fats as well it would be low in processed foods or ultra processed foods it would be high in complex um carbohydrates or lean carb and uh, lean proteins uh, legumes nuts seeds things like that so that would be typical of an um, anti-inflammatory diet or mediterranean diet and it would also be low in alcohol low in refined sugars and um processed foods as i say when it comes to the mediterranean diet um there's a few different variations some have high quality dairy in it while others have reduced dairy as it's saturated fat um, again this is kind of dependent on the person dairy i believe is a very nutrient dense food with a lot of um really important nutrients in it and it allows us to absorb fat soluble vitamins something like vitamin a d e and k so i am a promoter of good quality dairy and particularly in ireland we are really lucky because we have grass-fed beef we have access and the regulations for um you know the, the treatment of animals is is so good here in Ireland versus other countries like America, where there's a lot more hormones and antibiotics given to the, the dairy herd, which then, of course, then is um, in the milk. While well, we don't have that same exposure, which is really good. So I suppose I am more in favor of having dairy in the diet. Um, I think it's an extremely nutrient dense source of food and it, you may be sensitive to, it, sensitive to it, though, if you have inflammatory PCOS. But that is because your gut may not have the, um, the the ability to digest it. So I would I would come at it from the point of view of trying to get your gut to be able to tolerate the dairy. So really supporting your gut um, by eating friendly um, probiotic foods um, fermented foods and prebiotic foods as well. And this can really support your gut to be inoculated with healthier bacteria. Um, and this can then support a healthy microbiome, which can lead to reduced inflammation and reduce the symptoms of inflammatory PCOS. And also in combination with an anti-inflammatory diet and also by reducing um, stress on your body so sleep so if you're not sleeping you're promoting inflammatory factors as well so it's still really important to look after your lifestyle when it comes to um, inflammatory pcos finally then you've got your stress pcos or adrenal pcos and this is the one that i had where you've got elevated uh, testosterone from your adrenal gland so it's not the testosterone from your ovaries so this type of testosterone is released um in response to stressful situations alongside adrenaline and cortisol and these type of stress hormones impair your hpa axis which is your hypothalamus pituitary and adrenal axis and when this axis is impaired this also impedes your ability to ovulate as your body doesn't believe that it's in a safe place to ovulate it doesn't believe it's um safe to actually reproduce right now and to have a baby because you're in such a stressed state so with this type of PCOS, it really comes down to managing your stress levels and um, reducing the amount of stress hormones released from the adrenal glands, including that testosterone type hormone, which again is causing the same symptoms of PCOS as your, the testosterone from your ovaries, but it's just coming from a different place. So it's a different cause and a different way of managing it. So for this type of PCOS, you still want to kind of have a, a good healthy diet. Of course, you want to have a good healthy diet because this will tell your body that you're in, you're being fed well, you're being nourished, you're being satiated, and you're not in a stressful position with regards to fuel. So really keeping your blood sugar levels balanced is important. So 
eating every three to four hours is a good rule of thumb and having protein with every port, every meal that you have. Protein really helps to keep you satiated and um, it's good for blood sugar control. So it doesn't cause those ups and downs in blood sugars, which can cause releases in not only insulin, but also in uh, other stress hormones, particularly if you're kind of predisposed to being quite stressed easily. Um, similarly reducing the amount of caffeine that you drink especially caffeine on an empty stomach can be really stressful on the body and it can put pressure on your adrenal glands um, and stress them out so I would also reduce that if that's something that you do and then looking at lifestyle measures to support your stress levels so really looking after your sleep identifying areas in your life that are causing you stress is it your relationships is it your friendships have you got boundaries in place for yourself do you say yes too much are you a people pleaser these are all areas that you also can look at when it comes to stress in general but with this type of PCOS too so um this is something that I really had to take into consideration and start putting my boundaries in place and really putting myself first and doing what I can manage, what I can do, what I want to do and saying yes to what I want to say yes to, but also saying no when I want to say no. And it's really important to be able to say no when you need to. Um, and that's a form of, I suppose, self-care and that you're putting yourself first and you're not tolerating the bullshit or BS, sorry. <laughs> and uh, you're just putting your priorities number one and just looking after your your body on a physical level and on a mental level as well so you can also look at supplements as well and i would i would take a number of supplements that support my stress response and you know support my hpa axis and um i also make time for myself to do the things that i like to do because i did speak about this before to kind of try and have some time in your in your life or day that you act as a child or you do something more for fun than you do for purpose or for reason so this can really reduce the stress response in the body it can really help with your hpa response and reduce cortisol and excess de um the testosterone from the uh, adrenal glands so just really managing that and adding something like that into your life is a really helpful way of uh, reducing stress in your body so as you can see there's probably a lot of crossover in terms of how to manage each type of pcos a lot of it comes down to really just looking after your diet, making sure you're not doing too much exercise, but you're still doing some, making sure you're prioritizing your sleep and yourself really, and that you're not like putting too much stress on yourself. And just eating a, a really full balanced diet is, I suppose, um, the general approach to all of these types of PCOS. I suppose if you were to work with me one-on-one -on, -one on this, there will be more specific things that I do in terms of say, if you've had insulin resistant PCOS and more specific supplements that would target that. Similarly with post pill PCOS, or if you've got inflammatory PCOS or um, stressful or stress response PCOS. So it, I hope this helps you in terms of, you know, getting a diagnosis. Don't think you've got PCOS just because you've got cysts on your ovaries. Cysts on your ovaries do not mean you've got PCOS. You need to have the other symptoms like irregular periods, elevated androgens and other causes. Do, you know, chat to someone um, who works in this area if you think you've got maybe um, if you have some of these symptoms and want to figure out is it hypothalamic amenorrhea or is it post pill or is it post pill PCOS or insulin resistant PCOS or the other two types? So there is some, I suppose, 
critical thinking to be done there and diagnostic work to be done there. I don't diagnose PCOS. I'd advise you to go to your GP, get diagnosed. I'm not qualified to diagnose, but once you're qualified, and um, once you're diagnosed, then I can work with you and get to um, the root cause of it and get to the bottom of what you need to do to figure out your PCOS. So that's pretty much it in regards to this episode. Um, I rambled a lot there, I suppose, about the different types and um, what to do about them. But I hope it was helpful. If this is something that you struggle with, you can work with me on this. Um, you can check out my Instagram. I do have some posts on it as well and videos um, with me chatting about it. And um, I have some other episodes in the podcast that you may want to listen to as well that talk about, you know, different areas that you can look at in, in terms of um, post-pill PCOS, for example, or stress and your hormones. All of these things are important with with any type of PCOS. And I do believe lifestyle to be a huge um, factor in all types to look after. So you really need to look after your lifestyle um, and lifestyle covers your sleep, your stress, your exercise um, and that kind of thing. And just kind of what you're, you're being exposed to every day, even the media that you're listening to can put stress on you. Uh, the people you're following on Instagram can put pressure on you if they're not, um, you know, if they're putting you, making you think you need to be a certain way or do something a certain way. So it's really important to be just aware of your whole environment, not just what foods you're eating. Everything in your environment is really, really important. And I could go even more into this in terms of like environmental toxins and things like that. But that's an episode for another day. And I do think that there's a lot of things you can do firstly with regards to PCOS before even going down that route. So thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you do, please leave a review or share this. I loved this to reach as many people as possible. I think it's an important one. So many women are struggling with PCOS or might think they have it. I'm not sure if they do or not. So this should help them a little bit more to get to the root cause and get to the bottom of how to resolve if they have it and what to do when they go visit their GP. So thanks so much for listening. And I'll be back next week with another great episode.